God wants to be known. I'm not sure that's a conclusion you might come to if you were to sit in your chair and to ponder God. If you were to think over, to mull over the essentials that some God, any God, would have to have in order to be God, whether a desire to be known, or indeed the ability to be known, would even make it to your list. Perhaps you'd go so far as to say that if God really was the infinite God, the eternal God, the God who is wholly other than you and I, that we assume him, imagine him to be, then he would actually be unknowable. That we'd have about as much chance of knowing that sort of God as a, a character in a book does of finding out and knowing about their author. And yet, I sit here before you this morning and confidently I am going to say that God desires to be known. In the early chapters of the Bible, in the origin stories of Genesis, we meet that God, that infinite, that other, that above and beyond God. A God who is without anything else in the beginning is God and he rules and he reigns and he creates. God with a word makes everything out of nothing. He speaks darkness to the darkness and brings out of it light. Where there was chaos, he brings order. Where there was nothing, he brings life. And as he's about that work of creating, we find out that he creates in a special way, in a perhaps a surprising way. God says, let us make humanity in our image, according to our likeness. And so God created mankind in his own image. He created him in the image of God and he created them male and female. In God's likeness, there's, there's more than a suspicion here that what God is intending is relationship. God is intending to be known. And as we turn the page, as we zoom in on that special, that significant act, we find, yes, indeed, that's what God is all about. Communing, living with, walking and talking with his special creation. And yet it's not long before the story descends back into the darkness and the chaos. Forces, elements, individuals in God's newly created world encourage this special image-bearing race, these, these people with the privilege and the status of knowing God, encourage them instead to be suspicious of God, to doubt God, to reject God, to rebel against God, with drastic consequences. The relationship that God so desired that he created humanity for is obliterated in a moment. Through doubts, through suspicion, through selfishness, through all these things which we often refer to as sin. And judgment comes and that judgment is in the form of Banishment. Banishment from God's presence. Banishment from that inevitability of knowing him and being known by him. 
And yet, God wants to be known. And he makes this promise, this wonderful promise in the midst of all this suspicion and rebellion and rejecting of him. He makes this promise that he's going to do something to put it all right, to restore that relationship, to make it all shiny and new again. And as we continue the story, well, it seems like that promise is getting harder and harder to realise because mankind, for their part, seem intent on pushing God further and further away. Stories of increased rejection of him and his ideals for how we would live. Uh, Crescendos in the story of how humanity seeks to emancipate themselves from God, to, to do away with him altogether, to stick two fingers up to the one who keeps on coming and keeps on revealing himself. But God never withdraws. God never disappears. God never goes to hide behind some curtain. God keeps on consistently turning up, revealing, intervening, speaking, sending prophets to speak his word, even in places like the book of Esther, choosing to silently through the drama and his interaction with the the characters, though not speaking a word, though not being named himself, making himself known. And it can all be summarised, I guess, as it is here in the New Testament, when it is written long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets but then something significant happened in these last days it says he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also he created the world God made himself known God spoke, God revealed through Jesus Christ. And I think we know that. We're we're comfortable with that, I suppose. We know how John summarises it in his gospel when he speaks about this word who was with God and is God and communicates God, taking on flesh, being born amongst us. And ultimately, he concludes this. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, is in the closest relationship with the Father. He, he has made him known to us. And so here's the thing. God wants to be known. I can sit here with absolute confidence and tell you as other, as beyond, as infinite and amazing as God is, he desires to be known. And Jesus' coming is the enacting of that, that promise that was made long ago. To dismantle the curse, to, to right the wrongs, to slay sin, to make it so that rebellion isn't the final word, but reconciliation can be. And in so doing, Jesus is introducing us once again to our God and our Creator. And in so doing, helping us to find life 
Later on, John will describe it like this, that this is eternal life. This is full life. To know God and to know his son, Jesus Christ. I say all of this because I want us to understand why as a church here, Amford Evangelical Church, our stated purpose for existing, our mission, if you like, is to know Jesus more and to make Jesus more known. In fact, that's only been our stated purpose for the last 12 months and five days. January the 5th, 2020 was when we as a church started walking along the path of knowing Jesus more and making Jesus more known. And I thought it would be appropriate this morning to spend a couple more moments together considering that purpose, to consider our part in what God is doing, what God desires to do. We're going to look at the idea of making Jesus more known next week, but for today I want us to focus in, I want us to hone in on that first part. What should be our desire to know Jesus more? Now it should be said, of course, that when I am speaking about God desiring to be known or or us desiring to know Jesus more in return, that I'm speaking more than just accumulation of knowledge, of the storing of information and data in our minds, learning about God as if we were revising for an exam, collecting from the Gospels facts and figures, times and dates about Jesus's life. Knowing Jesus more isn't just knowing his various addresses and how long he lived there, who his friends were and the things that he said. No, knowing Jesus is is a relational thing. It's, It's a description of intimacy and love. You see, in English, when we speak about knowing, it's a bit flat and it's one word used to cover a couple of different senses. In most other languages, actually, those senses are separated out. And luckily for us, Welsh is one of the languages that does it for us. You see, we can speak about knowledge in that accumulation of data sort of way when we say, do you know the time? Or in Welsh, you'd say this. I've written it down to make sure that I don't get it wrong. Ydych chi'n gwybod yr amser? Do you know the time? Do you have that information at your disposal to use? It's important for us to to know true things about God, to know true things about Jesus. But the, the knowledge, the knowing, the revealing is more about relationship. It's more in the sense that we might say, do you know my brother? Or in Welsh, do you know him? God doesn't want us just to have facts and figures. God doesn't want us just to have answers for a test. God wants us to to commune with him, to live with him, to walk with him, to talk with him through Jesus Christ. Also, it needs to be said, doesn't it, that knowledge isn't just for knowledge's sake. We don't just want to know Jesus because that's a good thing in and of itself, although it truly is. One of the passages we've turned to in the last 12 months in this regard is Titus chapter 1 where the Apostle Paul articulates what he's about, how he sees his life and his purpose and his mission. And he writes this, that 
I am writing to you, Titus, a servant of God. I'm sent by Jesus for the purpose of the faith of God's elect, their knowledge of the truth and that which leads to godliness. Paul sees his ministry and it influenced how we understand our purpose as a church, as being for the development of the faith and the knowledge of the truth that affects and changes people such that they grow in godliness. It's a bit like taking a shrub out of a pot and planting it in a field. You don't just do that because shrubs are supposed to be there. You do that in anticipation, in expectation that there would be growth as a result. And Paul says, and I say, yes, it's good to know about God and it's good to to know Jesus. But it's so that some difference can be experienced, some difference can be felt, that you and I can find life and ultimately that we can be transformed into his likeness. It's sad, I think, that the idea of godliness in our culture, maybe even in our church, is simply about the things that we do not do. That learning more about Jesus is a way we imagine sometimes of um, increasing the list of things that we stay away from. Now that's certainly part of it. Part of godliness, part of knowing Jesus will mean that our old desires are done away with. The selfishness, the sinfulness which once kind of consumed us and controlled us will be removed. And that's why Paul writes something like this in Colossians chapter 3. To those of you who have been raised with Jesus, set your minds on the things above, not on the earthly things. You have died, you're hidden now with Christ in God. Therefore, put to death what belongs to that old, dead, earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, all of which is idolatry. Paul says, now that you know Jesus, now that you are getting closer to Jesus in your daily, in your weekly, in your monthly, in your yearly walk, get rid of all those things because that truth which leads to godliness leads away from these things. But that's only half the story and it's not even the the nice side of the story. It's not even the exciting and beautiful enticing side of the story because as much of it as it as it being about what we put off what we reject it's about what we learn from Christ what we see and imitate in Christ therefore he says put on instead of greed instead of impurity instead of all these things which take you away from God. He says, put on compassion, put on kindness, put on humility and gentleness and patience. He says, bear with one another, forgive one another. Why is this some sort of arbitrary list? No, he says, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are able and should forgive above absolutely all as you know Jesus more 
as you are transformed by that knowledge more into godliness, put on love. Knowing Jesus is what God desires for us and it makes a difference. It changes us. Last week I spoke about planning to grow and and this is the sort of growth that we're talking about. That there is this relationship, this link between trusting in Jesus, being part of his family by faith, of, of having the old us done away with, dealt with by what Jesus did on the cross, coming into the the new humanity that Jesus offers us, stepping into that, that place in creation that God always intended of knowing him and being known by him and how that makes a difference in our lives. That means that we will want to say no to certain things and yes to other things. And so I ask again, 12 months, five days down the line from when we together set about knowing Jesus more and being transformed by that knowledge, how are we doing? Are we still walking that path? Are we still pursuing him? Do we still desire to grow and grow in our Christ-likeness? Do we want to be people who are transformed by the truth, people who are changed when we come to Jesus? I hope we are. I hope even if you've taken your eyes off the prize, if you've taken your eyes off the ball over the last couple of months maybe, as you've grown weary, as you've grown um, uh, distracted, I hope that this morning you can see just how wonderful, how beautiful, how profitable it is to seek more and more of Jesus. Last week we spoke about the change that happens in us, that can only happen in us because of what he has done for us on the cross. And now we're turning away from ourselves and trusting and clinging to him. You know, that that's still the same offer each and every day when we wake up, no matter how we've performed the last day, it's still ours each and every day. That opportunity to seek Jesus, to trust in him, to follow him, to say no to ourselves and to say yes increasingly to him. Brothers and sisters, I pray that we would be growing in that, that we would not have grown impatient with that process, that we wouldn't have become frustrated by that process, but that actually over the last 12 months, we've we've seen our need for it more and more as other things have been taken away from us. I want to quickly finish with asking the question, well, how, how will we do that? How will we do that together? Well, it may seem like an obvious suggestion, but it's the only one I can come up with. We'll know Jesus more. We'll be transformed by him and into his likeness more, only when we spend more and more time with him. Anything that you and I can do to spend more time in the company of Jesus, well, that'll help us to grow. That'll help us move forward. That will help us along the path that we are walking together. Three places, I mean, they're they're obvious places that I'm going to suggest. There are certainly more things that could be involved in it, but three things I'm just going to check out there. 
places where we meet Jesus, where we see Jesus, where we understand who he is and what he has done for us. His word. Do not neglect God's word. It can be daunting. It can be confusing. But let me tell you, it is wonderful. For those of you perhaps who have been Christians for years and years, for decades and decades, you've got time on your side behind you. You've heard it taught, you've read it for yourself, you've read other books which help explain it. Can I encourage you in 2021 to keep going, to keep digging? You see, the wonderful thing about Jesus is that as we seek to explore him, as we seek to find out more about him, we really never will run out of things to learn. God's word is so amazing. God's word, the Bible, is so rich that we can spend our entire lifetimes meeting Jesus in it and we will never get bored. We will never run out. Like, like that plant which I was speaking about that's taken out of its pot and put in the field. Those roots can go out and go out and go out and they can just keep going. They're not, they're not constricted. We meet Jesus in his word. He says as much. Uh, he's chastising some of the religious leaders of his time. He says, you search the scriptures hoping that in them that you would find life. But these are the very scriptures which testify about me. We want more of Jesus than this is going to be one of the places we go to straight away. If you like the horse's mouth to know Jesus. Don't neglect his word. I hope you can see that we're a church that values God's word in all circumstances, in all situations. But as well, there are other places we can go where we will see Christ, we will encounter Christ, we will meet Christ and we will be changed and affected by him. The second suggestion I'm going to make is we need to be encountering Christ, meeting Christ in the lives of other believers. Do you know over the last 12 months, as 2020 has wreaked its havoc, as it's rained its bad news after bad news on us as a community, as us as a nation, as us as a, as a, a planet in our solar system. One of the things that has encouraged me so often, so much, is seeing how others have clung to Christ, seeing how others have been drawn closer to Jesus and how they have lived out their faith. Not just people who have learnt um, lessons from a book in order to complete an exercise, but people who have been transformed. People whose knowledge of the truth has led to godliness and perseverance and peace and hope and joy. I encourage you that that one of the things you should be seeking in your life is relationship with other people who, who know Jesus for themselves. But, but more than that, who, who live Jesus out. People who will teach you lessons, not just when they sit down, but when they get up, when they go out, when they carry on, when they persevere, when they press forward. We can encounter Jesus in his word, but we can encounter Jesus in the lives of Jesus' followers, of our brothers and sisters in our church family. 
third place I'm going to mention, and it's not the last by any means, but you know, for now it'll do. We encounter Jesus through prayer. We encounter Jesus through prayer. Prayer, we often say, is a difficult thing. I think that's probably because we try to reduce it down to one thing. Prayer is a great privilege for us as believers to be able to speak and hear from that other God, that infinite, that eternal God. Sometimes that that can mean that it's something that we shy away from, something that we neglect, like we would neglect his word or we'd neglect one another. But I want to encourage you at the start of this new year to make prayer. Be that prayer where you speak to God. Be that prayer where you remain silent. Be that prayer where you expect God to speak back to you. Can I encourage you to make that a natural, habitual part of your day to day? When we encounter Jesus in his word, in each other and in prayer, there is only one thing that can happen. We will know him more. And when we know him more, we will will walk more fully into the eternal life that he has brought for us. We will be changed. And without wanting to get ahead of myself for next week, that, that change will be seen. That light that Jesus brings into our lives will shine out into the lives of those around us. God wants to be known. Jesus has come to make it so that we can know him and to reveal God to us most fully. Brothers and sisters, let's not waste another day satisfied, settled with, settling for, simply knowing about Jesus. But let's together pursue him. Let's together walk that path which is knowing him more for ourselves and being transformed by it. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your church and we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for all these ways that you come towards us so that when we turn from ourselves, we don't have far to travel. We don't have far to travel at all because there in Christ you have bridged that gap. Lord, be with us in the next week, even, let alone the next month, six months of a year. Be with us as we seek to be people who seek you in the knowledge that you are a God who wants to be found, who wants to be known, who wants to be experienced and enjoyed. Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. And we pray in his great and glorious name.